This is Laura Lummer, the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. I'm a healthy lifestyle coach, a clinical Ayurveda specialist, a personal trainer, and I'm also a breast cancer survivor. In this podcast, we talk about healthy thinking and mindfulness practices, eating well, moving your body for health and longevity, and we'll also hear from other breast cancer survivors who have re-engaged with life and have incredible stories to share. This podcast is your go-to resource for getting back to life after breast cancer. Welcome back to episode nine of the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. I am Laura Lummer, and I'm thrilled to be bringing episode nine to you because if you follow me on any social media channels, you know that this is a very special month for me. The month of July is the month that I was diagnosed with breast cancer, July 11th to be specific. And this year, 2017, I'm celebrating six years of survivorship. I do have a tradition that I normally do when it is my survivor anniversary. I have a tattoo on the back of my shoulder, which was done for me by my son, who's a tattoo artist. It's a stencil by an artist that I really admire named Banksy. And it's of a little girl floating away on, holding onto a bundle of balloons and floating away. And my son does this tattoo for me and we've changed some of the balloon colors to pink. They're originally black. And every year of my survivorship, my son adds a new pink balloon onto that tattoo. So that's been my tradition for several years now. And this year, as I started to think about six years, you know, you pass that five-year mark and something just seems to change. It's kind of like having your learner's permit and then having your driver's license. And I wanted to make it an even bigger celebration. So I put the word out on last week's podcast, on all my social media channels, and I asked for other survivors to send me their stories of survival because it's so much better to celebrate when you have a party, right? When you have a bunch of people celebrating with you. And I have been just overwhelmed and in a wonderful way by the response to this call in receiving stories, amazing stories from survivors. And I asked that if you would like to be on my podcast, in addition to submitting your story, to let me know, and I would love to have guests on my podcast. And that was one of the reasons when I started this podcast was not only to bring survivors information on nutrition and uh, mindfulness practices and stress reduction and exercise, but also to share voices of other survivors and the incredible things they've done. And I don't mean just in, you know, getting finished with breast cancer treatment and then starting a nonprofit or writing a book. And even though some people have done that and you are going to hear from some of them in upcoming interviews, but I mean just incredible in the way that they become even more compassionate people than maybe they were originally. That something in their experience of having cancer and surviving cancer, it just changed them in some way where They feel more empathetic or more compassionate or just view life a little differently than what they did before. And we're going to hear one of those stories today from an incredible woman. Gail Matthews lives in Illinois. She is a, this will be three years of survival with her, actually this month, July. And I really wanted to highlight her story this week because 
It's 4th of July week, and Gail was an 11-year Army veteran. And that is just an amazing and courageous accomplishment in itself. So I thought this was a perfect week to celebrate her story. And what I love about Gail when we talked is just, she's just so gentle and so sweet, and you'll hear that in her story. And just a very compassionate human being. And she also went through a lot of struggles and had, as anyone who goes through cancer, some rough times and some bumpy roads. But she really persevered and she found solutions to a lot of things that came up and you're going to hear all about that in just a couple of minutes. So if you're interested in submitting a survivor story, I encourage you to get in touch with me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or go to my website, lauralummer.com. And you'll find up in the top right-hand corner, it says Survivor Stories. And if you click on that, it'll also say Submit Your Story. And there's a form that you can submit your story. Because even though I will highlight a story for each podcast episode in July, going forward, I'll also be doing that once a month. So the more stories, the better. So keep them coming. That being said, I'm going to move right on to the interview. So Gail, I just want to welcome you to this show. I thank you so much for making the time to be here today and to share your story with us. A lot of the details of a a cancer survival story, a cancer experience are really personal and it's very meaningful to have someone be able to share from that part of themselves, that part of their heart, that part of their soul and what they went through. And I know that you're doing it so that other women who may have had similar experiences to you or other women who might be struggling to find their way after breast cancer treatment can maybe have some inspiration from your story. So I want to welcome you and I want to start off, Gail, with just having you share your story through your own voice. Let's start off with talking about when you were diagnosed, what your diagnosis was, how old you were at the time, and just how this all came about when you found out that you had breast cancer. Okay, I, um, when I was diagnosed, it was in July of 2014, and I was 55 years old at that time. And I was... One Sunday morning, I was just doing my normal breast exam, and I felt something that felt like a marble through my arm. And I was like, okay, where did you come from? And it moved around and did everything, so I knew it was nothing that was normal. And um, I went that Monday, I called my doctor, and they scheduled me for a mammogram, to which I was scheduled for a month after, because it would have been 12 months since the time that I had my previous mammogram. And when I did go for my examination, uh, they uh, said that they were lumps. There were lumps. I had two. I had one in the front of my right breast and a lymph node under my arm, and that was in July 2014. And so what was your diagnosis? What stage Um, were you, what did they discover? Okay, um, so later on in July, they scheduled me for um, an ultrasound along with the mammogram. I had already had my mammogram, and they did an ultrasound and everything, and then I went in for a biopsy after the ultrasound and they took tissue they sent it off and two days later i was contacted by my doctor um and she told me that it was a cancer 
But she didn't know the stage or anything because she was only my medical doctor. They replied back to her with the results. And once they uh, gave the results, they assigned me an oncologist. And once I was assigned the oncologist, he called me in and he talked to me about the cancer. And he, that's when I found out it was stage three. He said that with this form of cancer, he gave me a, a, a chemo plan and he told me that I would go through chemo and I would do like three months. I would do September, October, November, every two weeks I would have treatment. And then I would go to weekly from November to January. And he said that it was stage 3A, but the thing about this chemo, it could cause my cancer to spread or it could either remove the lumps. So he said, if I have two treatments and the lumps don't shrink at all, they will stop and automatically go ahead and remove them and then start chemo again. So he measured those lumps each time okay. that I had a treatment. Okay, great. And so you had, how large was your tumor? Uh, it was about the size of a marble. Okay. Small marble. Okay. And that was in uh, under my lymph node. I had one there, and I had one in the front of my breast. So they had two areas that they were working on, and he would measure them. So after my second chemo treatment, it had shrunk. The one that was at my breast had shrunk half the size. Under my arm, the lymph node had went down some, and he said, "Well, it was reacting to the chemo." So they would keep uh, go ahead and continue the chemo since it was, you know, responding to it in a way where it was shrinking it. Yeah. What was your frame of mind during your treatment? What were you, were you, what were you thinking? Uh, you told me a story about a nurse that was really wonderful with you when we talked the other day. But let's talk a little bit about where your head was at once you found this was going to happen to you and you were going to go through this treatment. How was it affecting you? I was really very fearful but i was afraid to show that pain because i didn't want to seem like i was weak and i didn't want to tell anybody so i was also working through my chemo i would go to chemo on, on a thursday and i would have one day to go to work which was on friday and i would have the whole weekend off so i was you know, really afraid because I was wondering, you know, was this going to spread? Because he told me that it, it was reacting to the chemo. Also, I was wondering, where does it go? You know, when it shrinks, how does it leave your body? And he never could really explain it to me. He said that um, it could, it would leave out through when you went to the bathroom and different things like that. But I was actually wondering, okay, if it's going through my body, could it go, you know, connect to other areas. Every time I, I had the chemo treatment, I was really afraid, but I was afraid to show my fear, mm. you know, because I didn't know. And one day after my third treatment, I combed my hair and it started to come out. Mm -hmm. And I was really in a depressing state at that time because I heard that my hair would come out but it actually just started, I looked at myself and I could see my scalp. 
And I was saying to myself, well, now what am I going to do? Because I had never worn wigs at all. And I didn't even know how to buy a wig. And those were things that, you know, I I didn't know. I I really didn't know what to do. And I didn't know what kind of wig to buy because I was thinking it's going to make me look so different and everybody's going to stare at me. I was really, really heartbroken. And I, I was afraid to cry about it because I was just feeling so hurt, like, uh, what am I to do? I can't ask the person, well, how do you pick a wig that's for you? Because I I, I never experienced, you know, really yeah. wearing one. So uh, I, I didn't want to look like, uh, I was like, I'm just going to say it dumb. How can you ask somebody? You know, I didn't know who to talk to. And I, I really didn't have uh, anybody that I felt that I could tell. Well, you have a really special situation right there. As soon as you were diagnosed, you were just a few days out from a big family event, right? So talk about that a little bit and why you felt like you didn't want to come out and tell your kids and your family. Well, my son was engaged to be married in Niagara Falls, New York. And we chose to drive because it was my niece, her husband. It was quite a few of us. So we just rented a van and we said, well, just make it like a, a nice trip in a way. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to tell anybody about my cancer because I knew it was, was for the wedding. And I found out and my uh, sister and all of them came here for the 4th of July. And at that time, I had known, you know, I had found the lumps and everything, but I hadn't been uh, diagnosed. But I knew something was there. And so once I did find out, I was like, well, I can't tell anybody. My doctor said that um, you need to, you know, decide what you really want to do because we have, you know, I'm going to set you up with an oncologist and everything. I'm going to try to start it as soon as possible. And I told her my son was getting married in August and I didn't want to spoil the wedding because people would really focus on me. And it would take the, that joy away from this good time in Niagara Falls. So I just went around and I didn't tell anybody. But at the same time, I was fearful because I kept feeling, you know, I felt under my arm and in my breast. And it seemed like it was growing. I, every time I went to sleep, I was like, am I going to die tonight? It's going to spread. But I just didn't share it. So I waited till he got married on August the 9th. And we got back. Uh, we got back home the 10th. We all left that following morning. And once we did get back to our area, I told everybody, I called my daughters and everybody was upset because they were with me all that weekend and nobody knew. And they felt like if anything would have happened, we wouldn't have known anything. I said, but it would have changed the atmosphere. And that's what I didn't want to happen. Right. So that that was a tough, that had to be a tough several days to go through. And I have to ask you, at at that point or when you went and and you were diagnosed and started working with your physicians, did they have any kind of a support system where you were at? Did they have um, any kind of groups or anything that they offered to you and said, here's where cancer patients or breast cancer patients come together and support each other or mentors or that kind of thing to talk with you? Well, no, they had a a social worker that worked in the hospital and he came and 
he talked to me about the different things that they could do for you, but he had no knowledge really of anything that I need. And I asked him, you know, what kind of foundations can I go to? Is it places I can go to get any kind of financial help, you mm-hmm. know, for a bill or anything like that? Because, you know, I know I'm going to be out of work. And he said, well, we got an agency that will may help you with like $50. But what happened, one of the ladies that belonged to my church, she had been through you know, a lot of uh, different things with cancer, and she's an advocate now. Oh, good. And uh, she had this organization called Real Men Working, and what they do, they donate to, they give women, you know, uh, money to help them with bills and different things, and they do it locally in each area. And she, they asked her, did she know anybody that was diagnosed recently that could use some help? And she gave them my name. Well, that's great. We went to, they had a, a function where they they had a lot of people, they were giving different things, and they gave me a financial, you know, stipend, and it really helped me because days I miss work, they financially helped me, but along the way, it was um, another organization called the Pink Angels. The Pink Angels, their co-founder or whatever, she, but let me go back. The, the okay. first lady, Sheila, she has an organization called SWAG. Okay. And SWAG, they they do a whole lot of things. And she was really the person I leaned on, and she put me out there with everybody that she knew. And uh, her Sheila, she does a whole lot of advocacy. She goes to Washington, D.C. and speaks on behalf of cancer itself. But after the Pink Angels, they're... A co-founder or their founder, she recommended an organization that would help me. You know, they would buy you food, buy you bus passes, and everything. And they helped me a lot. They helped me with my rent, so I didn't have to worry about things. So these were people that I knew that they were into. You know, different organizations. That's where I got my support from, and the American Cancer Society. They paid for my rides to go to and from chemo from my job. A cat would pick me up and come back and get me and take me back to work, or they would bring me home. And the American Cancer Society did that for me during my treatment. That's wonderful. And I think, you know, as you and I talked about the other day, uh, the financial aspect of cancer treatment just isn't often talked about. And even though you were employed, I was employed when I went through it, I had benefits, and you think that, oh, okay, well, I have insurance, so it's going to be okay. And what yeah. you soon find out is there are a lot of copayments, a ton of medications, and depending on the extent of your treatment, if you run out of paid time and it goes into FMLA, the financial consequences are just so much larger than you ever think. You know, you think, I have insurance, I'm covered, I'm good. And if you don't have insurance, I've always thought, my God, how do people get through that without insurance? Because it's such a costly thing, but missing days of work. Um, it's just so important to recognize that 
that is an issue when, you know, people are going through cancer treatment. Um, I know I personally have talked and coached with some women who were just, uh, that had so much more stress onto, you know, the entire treatment that one of their biggest concerns was their finances and how they're going to make ends meet as they're going through it. So I love that you're talking about the American Cancer Society, Pink Angels. There are a lot of organizations out there that are that will support women as they're going through treatment, but I don't know that A, a lot of women know about it, or that B, you know, they're, they check into those resources or they reach out to those people. So I think it's really important that we let people know that there are resources out there and um, ask questions and talk to people and, you know, reach out because it's so important to have that support during your treatment. Yeah. Yeah. So I want you to share something, Gail, because when you and I talked about what you went through treatment, not only did you have chemotherapy, but you had really intense radiation. And this is a, a really important story, I think, for you to share because, again, Oftentimes, like you've already expressed, you know, I I didn't want to show fear. I didn't want to people to know that I was afraid. And I don't think that that's specific to you. I know I hear that from a lot of women. I know I had that experience myself. And then as a survivor, I kind of look back and I think, well, on the one hand, you know, the whole movement for breast cancer and um, be a warrior and all that, it's meant to be very supportive and it is encouraging. But sometimes I think that as survivors, we fail to really process everything that happened to us and how we're feeling because we feel like we're supposed to be strong. You know, we're supposed to be warriors. So let's talk about what happened to you and then how you stood up and advocated for yourself, because I think that's a a wonderful story. Yes. I, um, when I started my, uh, radiation, I started maybe a month after my chemo, my chemo and my surgery was done. And at first the radiation you know, it, it didn't seem like it was bothering me at all. And then slowly I started noticing my skin, they had blisters on it. I asked the nurse, I said, is this normal? She said, well, yeah, sometimes you do blister up. So I said, okay, and they recommended an ointment. And once I took it to Walgreens, the prescription they gave me, Walgreens said it was nothing but really pure Vaseline. I was paying $8 per prescription for just some Vaseline. I didn't know. I thought it was something, you know, more than that. And I would fit on. And um, it only seemed like it made me burn more. They said, don't put it on prior, but put it on after treatment. And I had maybe 20, 20 chemo, I mean, radiation. And my skin just really had got to the point I couldn't move at all. And one night, uh, I woke up and I just felt like it was raw and all my skin filled off. Oh my gosh. And uh, at that time, I went to the doctor and he said, oh, you'll be okay. So I I had said, okay, I can't take any more treatments because it's constantly healing. And by the time I did, I, I took off two days because I couldn't get out of bed. I was just that weak and I was in that much pain from the burning. And I did make it to my radiation doctor. He told me he's seen worse. And I said, I've never felt this bad in my life through everything that I've went through so far. And at that time, 
whole side, my whole right side was pink. And even the back, my back even peeled. And the uh, he said, well, okay, you can take another treatment. And I said, no, I refuse to. Because he was like, I've seen worse. I said, well, you know, I've never felt this bad. And I need to go to the emergency room. Or I need to see a skin specialist because I'm in a lot of pain. And when I did go see the skin specialist, he told me, that had I taken another radiation treatment, it would have damaged my nerves and my skin would have never grown back. Wow. And it was the most pain. My bed was soaking wet because all my skin peeled off everything. And when I did see him, he could only peel off the skin with tweezers because it was all dead and it was my entire right side. And he asked me, why is my uh, burn up around my neck considering it, it should have been only through my breast area and under my arm. And I didn't know, you know, I just they were the professionals. But the pain that I felt, I could never explain in a million years. It was horrible. Wow. And now, as a result of you, though, what, what I wanted to talk about that story was because the way that you did advocate for yourself and even though the doctor said you know you need to do this or you're going to do this you're like no i know something's wrong and so many times as the patient we have to we have to go with our gut and we have to say uh, you know take care of me and understand what your needs are so as a result though of you following through with that with the dermatologist tell me there's a new protocol at that hospital now for radiation treatment is that correct what they did after they studied my case, they said that they will have a skin doctor there whenever women or, or anybody is getting radiation from now on. And every time they have a treatment, they have to go through the skin doctor to have their skin checked because of what I went through. Because they said I should have never had that many treatments at one time it was causing my skin to get that bad to where it was feeling so now through what I, I even though I had to go through it in order for them to make changes at least the next person won't have to experience what I did exactly and that is a great thing. That's a really great thing. And, you, you know, being an advocate for yourself and making some kind of change happen as a result of that so other people didn't have to go through it. So tell me, Gail, how you think, how's your life different now after being a survivor of breast cancer? Do you look at things differently? Do you feel differently about, you know, life in general? Or how is that, how do you, how does it affect your life in a way that maybe you wouldn't have thought about before having cancer? Well, how, how it's really affected my life is it's taught me to never take anything for granted. You know, I, I really, when I see people now, and sometimes I see people and they look like they're down, you know, I say good morning, even, you know, and a lot of times people just need that because they are going through something. Sure. And I've met women that I could look at their face or just look at their demeanor and see that they just need somebody to talk to because when you go through a cancer, you really don't know from day to day what's going to happen, but you just hoping you have hope that, you know, I'm going to get through this and you don't want to be a bother to people. But I did have a few people in my life that would call me and we could just talk because it was times that I was willing to just give up on my radiation because 
it's my chemo also because my nails turned black. My, you know, I lost my fingernails, my toenails. They came off, and I would carry fingernail polish with me all the time because I had black the black on there, and I didn't want people to see it. So now, you know, I look at people, and I, I, if they need attention or just want to talk to me about anything, I have time for it. You know, some people just need a hug, and I appreciate being able to do that and be supportive in any way I can because sometimes we take little things for granted that mean a lot to some people. That is so true. So tell me... If there was advice that you could give to another survivor out there, because I know that you know there are a lot of women who just really struggle after treatment to get back to life, to kind of put everything into perspective, to move past the fear of getting a recurrence. Sometimes people have a really tough time just starting up again because they're afraid, what if I start something and then I get cancer again and I can't finish it or I can't go on with it? And what what would you say to other survivors now that you think is an important thing for everyone to know? I would tell them to, one thing, to love yourself. You know, when you look in the mirror, you always see things you don't like, you know. And after going through surgery and different things, like with me, one of my breasts is larger than the other. And... With one of them being larger than the other, it, I'm self-conscious about it, so I wear jackets all the time. But I would advise anybody not to concentrate on those things because there's always some imperfection in everyone. Right. But just try to enjoy life. And I learned, you know, like if I see something different in a person, I never stare. I never did do that. But when people look at you, sometimes they're not really looking at you because of a flaw, but you're so self-conscious you think that. You know, but just try to really embrace yourself and love yourself and do as much as you can to enjoy life because life is really short and surround yourself with positivity. Everything, you know, like... Uh, there's so many positive people, and the only thing they want to do is enjoy life too, and and give people hugs. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, so that, that's what I would advise, you know. And don't really, you know, worry about the things that you can't change because some things in life we can't change anyway. That's right. But just focus on being happy. Go out and buy yourself like me. I like going to Goodwills. I really do. It's not that I'm cheap or anything, but I enjoy that. So I, I really don't really care what a person say about me. I, I don't anymore because I know I love everybody, and I really do. Whether you be nice or mean, I'm still going to love you. <laughs> you can't take that from me. So, you know, just Good for you. enjoy life and surround yourself with positivity. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's great. And right, because our behavior is always our own choice, right? It's not dictated by someone else's behavior. If someone else isn't kind or is doing something that makes you feel self-conscious, we have to realize that our choice always belongs to us and we don't have to respond to that. Yeah, I think that's an awesome outlook to have. 
Well, I want to say thank you so much for reaching out, for responding to my request for stories, for sharing your story because it's beautiful and you're just a beautiful lady and a wonderful soul. And I'm so glad that you're able to get your voice out there for other women to hear and to understand your experience because it's really meaningful. So thank you for being here today. You are so welcome and I will truly follow you. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> because I learned something from you, and every time I see your name now, I'm going to say, she's the reason why I have Skype on my phone. <laughs> okay, well, even though I didn't encourage Gail to say she would become a follower, I'm thrilled to hear that she will because I'm always happy to get a new follower. I really appreciate the time and the energy people put into becoming a part of the breast cancer survivor community and uh, following me on social media, through this podcast, and through information on my website and my email list. So if you're not a follower, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Laura Lummer. You can find me on Instagram as the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. And you can also go to my website, lauralummer.com, where you can download my free ebook, The Six Habits of Healthy, Happy Breast Cancer Survivors. And I would love it if you have the time to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode and leave a positive review if you enjoy listening to it. And that way it helps us move into the rankings, the show move up in the rankings so that other breast cancers can find this podcast also and hopefully find support in that information. So I do want to let you know because this is a super special month for me and next week, On Tuesday, July 11th, will be my six-year anniversary of surviving. Watch my social media channels. If you're on my email list, you'll be receiving these specials too, but I'm going to put out a 48-hour special with discounts and special items on my coaching packages, on beauty counter items, and you guys won't want to miss that because they're going to be some super amazing deals. If you're not familiar with Beauty Counter, I do want to acknowledge the support that I have here from Beauty Counter that helps me to be able to put on this podcast. And Beauty Counter is an awesome company with a mission to get safer products into the hands of every woman. And the reason why I am a part and proud to be a part of this mission is because especially as a breast cancer survivor and as a healthy lifestyle coach, it's important for me to help people understand that what we put on our body is equally as important as what we put in our body. And sometimes we make a false assumption in assuming that there can't be a product on the shelf if there's some reason to believe that it's actually not safe for us. And yet the cosmetic industry is very poorly regulated. And so Beauty Counter takes that voluntary step to the next level where they have a never list and they ban all chemicals that are banned in the European Union, which is over 1,100 potentially carcinogenic toxic chemicals, whereas in the United States, there's fewer than a dozen that are banned. And so that's why I'm a believer in this. And, you know, my concern is to support every survivor and every woman in never having to become a breast cancer survivor. And I know that making informed decisions by what we put in our body and what we put on our body is one of the steps to help keep us all alive and healthy for a lot longer. 
So you can check out Beauty Counter on my website, lauralummer.com. Just go to shop and click the link for a beauty counter or go directly to them at beautycounter.com forward slash lauralummer. Lots of great information. And again, hopefully it'll help you to make some more informed decisions about what you choose to put on yourself and what you enjoy. All right. So thanks for listening and Please come by again in two weeks from now when you're going to hear an awesome interview from another survivor, Rhonda Salazar. Rhonda has an organization, Rhonda hashtag TGFS, and she's just awesome. She's an incredible survivor who's put a lot of energy back into supporting survivors, telling her story, and creating her story through music as well, which is super cool. So I have a great interview that we're putting out. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Gail. And if you would like to be heard on the podcast or just share your story to be seen on my website or on social media, you can submit your story on my website at lauralummer.com. Go to Survivor Stories and click on the link that says share your story. I look forward to hearing from all of you and I'll look forward to putting out the interview with Rhonda in two weeks from now. And until then, watch for my anniversary specials. And let your lifestyle You've be your medicine. The in your head. You've put your courage to the test. Laid all your doubts to rest. Your mind is clearer than before. Your heart is full and wanting more. Your future's at the door. Give it all you got. No hesitating. You've been waiting all your life. This is your moment